You have a lot to focus on every day. Let Virginia Premier focus on your health coverage. Our health plan is only focused on Virginia, so we can connect you with quality health care and local resources. Our added benefits give you more value on top of your medical and drug coverage from Virginia Medicaid. See our benefits at virginiapremier.com slash Medicaid and have your whole family with the same health plan. Virginia Premier, focused on Virginia, focused on you. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And joining us today, Florida Panthers reporter from Five Reasons Sports, Mr. Alex Baumgartner. Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm surprised that you're doing great after the Panthers' performance last night. Uh, but that's that's a conversation for slightly later. We're going to start with a slightly more macro, but still very much related topic. Uh, Sasha Barkov and Sam Reinhart through seven games this season, uh, currently goalless. Uh, they are on a very interesting list. I think it was uh, Nick Alberga. Uh, at the Golden Muzzy on Twitter, who posted the list of goalless stars. Uh, they are joined by the company of Nikita Kucherov, Kale McCarr, Roman Yossi, Evgeny Kuznetsov, a few others. Uh, how surprised are we to see Barkov and Reinhardt on this list through through the first seven games of the season? I mean, Reinhardt started slow last season, but at the same time, he only has one point in this in the six games which is pretty surprising to me. Like, even if he wasn't scoring, I would think he would be getting an assist or two off of a rebound or just because, you know, he's a very gifted player. So he's going to get assists because he's going to make plays. But, you know, only one assist. I would say that's the the most surprising thing. Barkov, I mean, he is playing well, I would say in general, but you want your star forwards to convert chances or just like find a way to whenever you're not playing your best or you're struggling to break through, just get that goal that you need. And oftentimes he's done that in the games where the Panthers were making some of their like comeback cats comebacks, like in New Jersey, he scored the game tying goal in that game. And this was another game where he really could have made that difference that a a $10 million player occasionally does, but it didn't happen. And it hasn't happened this season yet, which is a little bit surprising. But at the same time, I do like what I'm seeing from the eye test. And the, I think the analytics would suggest that they're not playing all that poorly offensively. I think that if you give them a little bit of more time on the power play, eventually they'll come through. That's just my personal take. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the power play a bit later. Oh, yes. I'm just... I'm going to disagree there. Like, I think the power play, what we've seen, what we saw last night in the end of the Islanders game was what we saw in the Blackhawks. Just absolutely putrid effort. Yes, what we saw against the Blackhawks yesterday was putrid effort on the power play. It was what we saw in the playoffs, like all over again. I know we're going to spend time, so I'm going to move on. 
Um, I'll just kind of echo what both of you have already said about Barkov. I think his play has been fine. Has it been up to the ca- up to the caliber of a ten million dollar player? No. And I think even with the lack of goal scoring, his play just hasn't been there. It's been good. I just when you're getting paid ten million dollars, and yes, you took a bit of a discount for the Panthers, but like you're a top <laughs> ten player in the NHL. We should know that almost every night. Like even when McDavid doesn't score, you know McDavid was out there that night. Like he impacts the game. And there have been times when Barkov isn't impacting the game. A uh, perfect example is last night. He had the puck on his stick in the slot with an opportunity to tie it, and he got stopped. Yes, it was a very great save, good save by Alex Daylock, but for $10 million, that has to be in the back of the net. We need to know you're on the ice. And, you know, I'm, I'm grading on a curve. Any other player on the team, even Matthew Kachuk, I wouldn't be this hard on him. But you're the captain. You're the number one player on the team. You're a top ten player in the NHL. We need more. Alex, your thoughts on Barkov and Ryan now? Yeah, so I'll start with Barkov. Um, I caught the third period of the game yesterday. I was traveling back from Florida to Toronto. So I missed the first two periods. So I was there for the almost comeback. Lucky you. Um. <laughs> I, I did see yeah, one. No. I did see one power play attempt, and it wasn't good. But we'll talk about that later. Um, you should have seen the other ones. The other five. Oh yeah. So like with oh Barkov, you could the little things you could tell he's one of the strongest players in the league. It's hard to bump him off the puck. The problem is sometimes, and we've seen it throughout his whole career in Florida. Sometimes he's a little too overpassive, and we know how good of a two way player he is. We know how good of a playmaker he is. But when he started shooting the puck yesterday, even I was on the Blackhawks feed. They're like. This guy has one of the best shots I've seen. You can see how hard his shot is. You can see how he can place it. He needs to shoot the puck a little bit more. I think for Barkov, the goals will come, but he got to, he has to shoot the puck a little bit more. Reinhardt, he's getting himself into perfect scoring situations. Paul Maurice was explaining to us how he was setting up the power play. He wants a right-handed shot to complement um you know, the lefties they have, they like Kachuk on the uh, goal line. They like Reinhardt right there in the slot because he can shoot, but he just can't buy a goal right now. And, you know, the one point playing on the first line, it's hasn't been that good. And as you mentioned earlier, TJ, last year, slow start for Reinhardt, but he's coming into a new team, new system, everything like that. This year, he's been with the team for an entire season. Yes, we have the new coaches. Yes, we have the new system. But he was a he was over a point per game with eighty two and seventy eight last year. Um, he, he needs to find the back of the net. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, I my my theory here, uh, I agree, Alex. Barkov does need to shoot the puck more. I think there's a reason he isn't, and that reason is Sam Reinhardt. It was very clear to me, especially on Sunday. Uh, in that that uh, that home game against whoever we played on Sunday, Islanders. Island, <laughs> Thank Island, you. Islanders. I was there, and I forgot who they played. Um, <laughs> to be fair, the Islanders are very forgettable these days. It's yes. like the most vanilla team in the league. <laughs> uh, you know, tangent. 
I don't like the use of vanilla as a synonym for boring. Vanilla is delicious and sweet. Like, it's a very... It's it's a great flavor. And how dare someone make it a synonym for boring? Anyway, Barkov. Uh, it was very clear to me on Sunday against the Islanders especially. Barkov is trying to get Reinhardt out of his funk. He's not shooting the puck because he's looking for Reinhardt in open chances. I think separating, and we we also saw that towards the end of the game last night, where our, our, we had a five on five line of Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk, uh, which I think in shot attempts, Jamison tweeted something like, "I think there were nine to two in shot attempts in like a really short amount of time together." For the amount of time that that five on five line was together, Verhage, Barkov, and Kachuk, nine shot attempts for is insane. And Barkov was taking a lot of them. When you remove the pressure of trying to get Sam Reinhardt that first goal from Barkov's conscience, he's shooting the puck. And he got some very good looks towards the end of that game. And he was trying. Um, as for them playing together on the power play, that's a different story. Barkov does tend to look pass on the power play, though he did have quite a few power play goals last season. Uh, but I, I think splitting Barkov and Reinhardt uh, at five on five, Barkov's going to find that goal sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, Bob mentioned it without actually saying it. Reinhardt started slow last year and then took off. When did he take off? When he got taken off the first line next to Barkov. For whatever reason, that pairing just hasn't worked. They're two very good players. Barkov's one of the best in the NHL. Reinhardt's a borderline all-star caliber player. For whatever reason, those two on a line does not result in goals. Reinhardt took off when he got put next to Anton Lundell. Yeah, and Mason Marchman. And, and Mason Marchman. Yes, Mason Marchman is gone, and Lundell is right now on one of the most complete lines in the NHL with Lucerinen and Colin, um, White. Colin White. And Colin White. So I don't know if you break up that line right now, but I think I think you really need to consider swapping Balsers and Reinhardt for tomorrow night's game because it just hasn't worked so far. And I don't want to, as you know, TJ sending us now, it was nine to one, nine to one, Kachuk, <laughs> nine to one, Kachuk, uh, Barkov, Verhage. I don't want what makes the Panthers, what made the Panthers so good last year was that lines one through four, they could overpower you. I don't want to overload the top line with Kachuk and Barkov unless they absolutely have to. That that's night down three nothing. You have to, but it worked. <laughs> I really you know right. But Kachuk and Bennett have been a very good pairing so far. I want to keep that together. I really think you need to consider swapping Balsers and Reinhardt to see if that jump jump starts Reinhardt. And then I agree with you, Jacob. I think Barkov's trying to be the captain and get the other guy going first at the detriment to himself when he needs to realize no. I'm being counted on to score 35, 40 goals this year. Like, I can't spend the first 10 games of the season trying to get Reinhardt off the slide. Yeah, Barkov had 39 goals last season in, like, 65 games or something. He's okay. he's a lock for 40 in a full season if he thinks to score for himself. I'm not particularly worried about, like is he going to get like 30 goals this season or at least a 30 goal in say like 75 game pace? Not particularly worried about that, but like so far, you know, it's a little bit 
to be desired in terms of this is your your star player at some point they have to just pull a goal out of absolutely nothing even if the the team isn't dominating even if you know the play hasn't warranted one uh that's what i think um and i'm not really sure where i would go with the five on five lines i mean you know we do want to speak in these like proclamations like this player hasn't been good enough this player has been really good but it has only been six games so seven you can and that's true also in those seven games verhege barkov reinhardt 57.1 57.1 expected goals for percentage. Mm-hmm. And only two goals good. against at five on five. They mm-hmm. have been a dominant line. It's just that two thirds of that line can't seem to score a goal. What do you think, Alex B? <laughs> Honestly, you know, putting a Reinhardt, I like, I like the way Balsha has kind of fit in, you know, with San Jose, he had his bet, his most productive year last year in terms of games played He's played fit pretty well alongside Ben and Kachuk. Now that is a very aggressive, fast, we're getting pucks on net kind of line. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the stats right now. Matthew Kachuk has 32 shots on goal in seven games. Jeez. That's, it looks like it's 11 more than Gustav, For- Gustav Forzing has the second most shots on the team at 21. Wow. So, uh, That's a problem. Honestly, I think it is time to just split Reinhardt and Barkov up. Maybe one of them gets going. If not both, that'd be the best case scenario. Whether you put him on the second line and move Rudy up, or I know we're talking about the third line clicking, and they've been really good, especially since A2 Lister Reinen got moved up into the top nine on the wing, which was, we're going to talk about my breakout later. That's going to be my breakout, because I just think (laughs) him on the wing, showing his skills in that top nine is just amazing. But, you know, maybe... You just put Reinhardt back with Lundell to see what happens because they were clicking a lot. Even when Marchman was out last year, that line was still clicking with the two of yeah. them. You know, you might have to try that one more time. Yeah, that line currently sitting at 100% goals for. They have not allowed a single goal at two Lundell and Colin White. Have not That's been good, but they need to be Unsustainable, a little bit Unsustainable, for sure. Um, they, they will I want to see them get to 110. I want to see them get to one ten. I think they. Can, I think that they they can play at that level. Um, their expected goals as a line, their the expected goals for percentage as a line, a bit lower than a hundred, uh, but still quite good. Still in that fifty to fifty five range, I believe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I just the obvious answer to me is put put Reinhardt back with Anton Lundell, where he thrived last season. And then do what you want with Colin White and Rudy Balsers. But how do you justify doing anything to the Etu-Lundell-White line when they're playing as well as they are? It's kind of a a shitty situation because your line that's performing your worst is the first line. Your second and third line are doing their job. And, you know, if that first line is clicking... You know, we're probably, I mean, I wouldn't say this team is undefeated, but, like, they probably I beat mean... Tampa in regulation. They they probably, they don't lose, la- they don't lose last night. They're, they're not down 3-0. To, I mean, like, yeah. the first line's a problem right now in terms of actual production. Yeah, if, if you're down two goals instead of only being down three goals in that third period, if you convert on 
and I guess that we can talk about it now unless you have more to say about five on five. I, I was going to transition into the power play there because there's a very yeah. clean segue that Alex just set up. Mm-hmm. And if you're not scoring at five on five and the Panthers have been scoring at five on five in most of their games, but it was a rare occasion yesterday where they couldn't get things going at five on five in the first two periods of the game, then you probably need something to get going on special teams. And the Panthers had, I believe, uh, six opportunities or the Blackhawks took six minor penalties without reply from the Panthers in the second and third period, or maybe in the first three in the in. Yes, in the I first three periods. That's correct. In the first three periods, because there was no overtime. Um, I, I remember at least six Blackhawks penalties. Maybe there was another that I'm not thinking of. And uh, one of them was an extended five-on-three. And There was also a double minor. The, yeah, a double minor, extended <laughs> five-on-three. And, I mean, in that second period, we had six minutes of Panther five-on-four play that were relatively close to each other. And the Panthers got outshot two to one, and they generated a total of .06 expected goals. So it's it's not just that they're not finishing chances; they weren't getting chances. They weren't even maintaining possession. They were giving up more than they were getting. And six minutes—that's a small sample size. If we're talking about like the whole season, like six minutes isn't going to tell me, oh, this is going to be a terrible power play for the rest of the season. But like that's not nothing. That's that's showing you that the power play was false starting at that point in the game. Like there wasn't going to be a breakthrough unless they were going to try to do something different. Whether it's because Chicago was shutting them down with what they were doing on the penalty kill, or they just have something that's not. not working right now. I don't know. It's clearly an issue, though. What do you guys think, Alex? You want to start off on this one, closest to the team. Me, Alex, or other Bob, Alex? Yeah, Bob. Yeah, sorry. Bob, yeah. <laughs> hey, right, right. No, you're good. Um, I, I just don't think they're utilizing the open man well enough, and they did it in the playoffs too. You have an extra guy out there on the power play, and you're not moving the puck quick enough. You're not doing enough off-the-puck motion. I hate talking about it, but every time I watch Tampa play, they just execute it perfectly using the bumper. They throw Braden Point right in the middle of the slot. They'll go one, two, three. The guys are standing pretty high up with Stamkos and Kucherov. Yeah. You know, those two obviously are going to respect. They're going to get the opponent's respect. That leaves the bumper wide open. And how many times have we seen Braden Point just take over a game just off the bumper in the middle of the slot on the power play? The Panthers just didn't do that. The one power play attempt I did see yesterday, first of all, they were dumping the puck in a lot on that uh, power play, which normally you don't do unless they're clogging the blue line. Um, They couldn't enter the zone. But they're holding the puck too much on the end boards. I think they're taking too much time. They're not utilizing open guys Matthew Kachuk is a workhorse on the goal line and as much as you can give the puck down low to him if no one else is moving if no one else is getting open there's a reason why this team in the playoffs last year and right now have what three goals out of the last 64 attempts oh my goodness yeah and other than the first few games of the season the power play has been like it's looked bad there's bad luck like up until, like I was saying, the, up until the end of the Islanders game, like the Panthers were just getting some bad luck. They were generating yes. chances and just not getting rewarded. But like in a 10-minute span yesterday from the sec- two-minute mark of the second period to the 12-minute mark, the Panthers had five straight power plays. That's And considering there was an extended um, five-on-three in there, but that was literally about eight and a half minutes of 
out of 10 minutes of play on the power play, and they generated nothing. The four-minute double minor, they got one shot. One shot in four straight minutes. I mean, the five-on-three, they generated like one quality chance that Stalock made a save on on the right when Reinhardt had an open net, and he just hesitated to corral the puck. And then Stalock, I think, got it up with his shoulder, and then it went over the uh, netting. It was just bad. Like, Bob said it perfectly. Like, they were dumping the puck in. You do, I mean, we're moving away. Like, the NHL in general is moving away from dump and chase because why would you ever give up possession of the puck? But you never dump and chase on the power play. Like, you should only be dumping the puck in, like, if you just get, like, caught really out of position and it's the only way to prevent an odd man rush the other way. But you should never dump and chase. It should always be a carry that's the whole point of yeah. the drop pass. The drop pass breakout is to freeze the defense and give the puck carrier the lane he needs to carry the puck into the zone. So it's just been awful. And I don't yeah, this... think it, it obviously doesn't help that you're missing Aaron Eckblad. I, mean, I don't know if that's true, honestly. I mean, it it it, it is true. But when, when you've got Eckblad on the left circle, that's a tremendous boon to your power play. It can be, but like we've seen the Panthers' power play struggle with Ekblad. Right. It doesn't we have help seen that we're him... missing him. No, we've seen it struggle with him, and we've seen it thrive TJ, without him. I think the few times that I think the yeah, I think the few it, times that we saw the power play look like it was going to click at the beginning of the season is when Ekblad was on that left right. side, and he was doing that off the puck movement. And it was they were utilizing that guy in the slot a little bit more to swing a one-time pass, and he was getting the looks. Now, obviously, without Ekblad, we can only hope that once he comes back, it's going to click, but they need to click now, and that movement isn't there. I saw too many times where they're just throwing the puck into the middle and hoping someone can grab it. You need to control the puck more when right. you have that extra guy. And in the playoffs, when they got desperate, you saw a lot of throwing the puck not even at the net, just throwing it, hopefully, to an open guy and they're not looking. That's happened quite a bit throughout this season, at least. Yeah, and and the one thing I don't understand is that now that they don't have a power play quarterback is they still try to run everything through the top of the point. Work low to high. Give the puck to Kachuk, Kachuk behind the net and work from there. Let him be your power play quarterback behind the net or at the goal line and make things happen. Because they don't have a power play quarterback. Barkov is all right at it. But, like, try something different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Keith Yandel's been gone for two years. He's not still there. Don't pretend Keith Yandel's still there and pass to the middle of the point thinking, like, he's just going to start a play. Because, you know, he was good at that for however long. He was in South Florida, four years, five years. I can't remember exactly. But he's but ago. But yeah. he's gone. And, I mean... uh Alex B mentioned the Tampa power play. That's a power play that. Why does that make you laugh? I don't, I don't understand. know because I, it's just been a very long time in my life since someone has been referred to. I feel to like I'm in a name. great exactly. School. Like the first yeah, name last Alex is in the class. <laughs> or or it's just like oh, Al, this is the B version of me, and I'm like no. Oh, that's Alex funny Bob too. Is honestly, <laughs> I'm like Bob is his own person. He's awesome. Like. Yeah, Alex is the L like, what version. What the hell are we doing there? Alex TV? is the L version of Bomb. There we go. <laughs> we'll be Universe no, like, 1 and you can be Universe 2. 
I mean, you. I mean, he's got a better hockey flow than I do at this point, so I think. And he, he got the best uh, background. I don't know, sure. you, Alex. You've kind of got the the like 2009 Ryan Getzloff going. <laughs> <laughs> With the hair receding. <laughs> oh my gosh! But um, yeah, you mentioned the Tampa power play bomb. Isn't that one that they like to work it low? Like I know that Victor Hedman's as uh, productive on the power play as anybody is, but I, I don't think that like he's always working with the puck like Yandel is, for example, whenever he's on the power play. He, he's, at least from what I've seen watching them with the last two playoff series, all the Battle of Florida's, and even the last game that we played, um, Hedman's there, but he's not the, like, yeah, he's walking the point, but it's not running through him. If anything, they're trying to hit Kucherov him back and forth until Braden Point opens up. Boom, you hit him in the slot. Now you can go to Stamkos. Now you can go back to Kucherov. Point can shoot it. And there's an extra guy in front of the net. Um, Hedman's not really shooting that puck. Right. He's really not. Unless he has an open lane to walk in. And why would you shoot the puck when you have Steven Stamkos on your left, Nikita Kucherov on your right, and Braden Point, who somehow always scores against the Panthers, right in front of you with no one covering him. So, yeah, they, they would work it low on the board everyone. and stuff like that. Yeah, but there, there's an Alex-to-Alex Alex mind meld going on because as soon as you brought up Tampa's power play, I'm like, no, their quarterback is Kucherov on the right wing. Mm-hmm. And what does Baumgartner say? Kucherov's their power play quarterback. Yeah, and that's what they should do mind with Barkov. Like, I, I feel like you can copy this pretty much exactly because Kucherov's a shoot, shooting threat. He's also a great passer. I mean, at this point in his career, he's becoming more of a pure playmaker. And that may just be a lazy take because if you look at his stat line right now, he's got like nine assists and zero goals. But I, I honestly feel like he's looking to set people up more than he's looking to score on his own at this point in his career. And he thinks that the team can overall be better for that. And I mean, I can't really argue with him because the results have been what they have been for the Lightning in the last few years. And uh, if Barkov's overpassing, well, I mean, if you show him the Kucherov tape, it's working for him. And, you know, pretty much pretty much everything that they could do that the Tampa does with Kucherov, they could do with Barkov in the same spot. And you can set up a lot of the same things. You know, you have a shooter in the left-hand spot. And maybe this is where we put Matthew Kachuk, put him in the bumper instead because he can still deflect pucks. He can still get down low whenever there's a shot attempt. He can turn around, move towards the net. And you want to collapse on the puck in that kind of situation anyway. So it's not like it's an unnatural movement that's going to disrupt your structure. And I guess that uh, Hornquist can go back in front of the net and he can just be a a, a pure... Uh, there there was a, another term for... Uh, Battering ram. But you know, there's, a, there's an S disturber <laughs> term. But some a shift disturber. Shift starter. He could be a shift, a shift disturber. disturber. <laughs> shift disturber, shift starter. So there are two things that I shift. just learned. Like the key on your computer. Right. <laughs> the two things that I just learned are one, apparently Tampa has Vlad Nemesnikov on the goal line this year <laughs> on their top power play unit. Oh, I thought it would have been Corey Perry. I would. I thought so too. Like my first thought was, oh yeah, it's got to be Perry on uh, in front of the net. Apparently, their first unit is Nemesnikov, uh, which is funny to me. Uh, and two, Braden Point is currently in the first year of a of an eight year, nine and a half million dollar AAV contract. 
Well, I hope you knew that he signed that contract. I had forgotten that he signed that contract. <laughs> this has been yeah, Lightning be Lurie. For a long time. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're still finishing eighth. But... <laughs> yeah. One last thing on the power play before they move on. It's another thing that Bob touched on that I wanted to mention. Movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much stagnation. Like, you know, to use another team as an example, so we're not only talking about the Lightning. Look at the Oilers' power play. McDavid is never in the same spot. He'll start a shift on the right wing, to spend time at the point, move to the left wing, set up behind the net. When the opponent can't, doesn't know exactly where the best players are going to be, it creates havoc on PKs. It seems like, you know, Barkov does move a little bit. He's either at the point or on the right wing, but like everyone else is always in the same spot. Reinhardt right now is always at the goal line. Or, Reinhardt's always at the bumper. Kachuk's always in front of the net. Sam Bennett's always on the left wing. Or it's like I think you got the Sam Smith stuff, the but spot. the point are the overall stance. Is Kachuk on the left? No, wing? I, I I think Kachuk's that on the yeah. goal line. I think that yeah, I know. I think that uh, Reinhardt is Monta? in the the left half wall. That's what I was trying to say. That Bennett's in the bumper. Yeah. Ma- but overall, yeah. So Horny's on PP two yeah. now, and then mm-hmm. Bennett's back yeah. on P one. No, because it's Reinhardt's on the left wing, and Hor- and Montour's right. is at at the point. Montour, Barkov, Reinhardt, Kachuk, Bennett. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's oh, what yeah, they're doing that, right now. It. Yeah, yeah. That's I it. My bad. We watch the games. I... <laughs> yeah. No, I only look at on, I only Jacob. look at Corsi. <laughs> That's the only thing Thank I look you. at. We, we, moneypuck.com, like, we watch the games? How dare why, why would I? How dare you? Why would I interrupt my uh, biasless thought process with that just, like, complete noise? No. We well, have Alex a reputation a, to uphold. <laughs> Alex, you made a great point. I saw a clip yesterday where Edmonton had the most flawless 10-second power play I've ever seen. They win the draw. The point hits McDavid. McDavid walks in. Hits the goal line. Goal line hits Drysaddle on the bumper. Everyone's staring at Drysaddle. There's three guys looking at Drysaddle McDavid. Nugent Hopkins comes to the right side. One-timer. Drysaddle doesn't even look. Hits him. About seven seconds, they score. That's how you utilize down low bumper and your best players drawing the attention. Nugent Hopkins comes right in and scores. That's a good power play. I think in that example, there's a great case to be made to move Kachuk to the bumper. Because right now, I don't think anyone's going to see... Bennett or Reinhardt, frankly, uh, in that dry saddle spot and be looking at them to score. Yeah, I mean, he's just got to get more involved with puck touches. And, I mean, you can do that by working it low to high, like Alex suggested earlier, Alex L. Or you can have him in the bumper and you can do a lot of what Tampa does of, you know, one, two, three, you know, passing with an intermediary from side to side it's a little bit easier to get it through that way you know you can get the goalie moving more if you go straight from the right to the left or the left to the right but that's risky you only have two minutes on a power play if it gets cleared that cuts into like 20 seconds if you're lucky and you break into the zone the first time which is actually i don't know if we're done talking about the power play but if if, uh i'm getting the last thing the last thing that i want to say is and this has been an issue last year, and eventually I think they resolved it in a way that made their power play top five in the league. But the entries just haven't been good enough 
they just haven't found a way to get set up. And I don't know. They're they're still doing the two deep drop, I think. Yeah. Because last year they were doing the one deep drop, and I thought that was a real issue because the other team's penalty kill can just disturb that guy, and then he can't get a clean entry, and they have to do it all over again. But now they're doing the two deep drop, and it's still not getting the clean entry. Have any of you guys thought, like, maybe they should do this? Maybe they should do that? You know, X, Y, Z thing that they could do to get into the zone and get set up? Maybe they should move Carter Verhage to the top unit. What were you saying, Bob? That's another thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, Barkov, if he gets his feet going and his body strength, it's kind of hard to stop him. And if if you try and pull a defender on him, you hit Kachuk, Kachuk's pretty strong too on the end board. You're gonna get yeah. in the zone, mm-hmm. but yeah, Verhage, Verhage, um, you know, if you want, if they want another lefty out there, you can you can throw Verhage in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, to me, it's not the breakout isn't the issue with the power play. It's what they do right. once they get in the zone. They had, mm-hmm. they've had no trouble gaining the zone. It's what they do once they're in the zone is the problem. Um, I think we've pretty much covered it all for the power play. One last thing. So I think we're going to swap for Hagee and Bennett. Oh. That, like, that's, to me, that's a jump start to people. Try stuff. <laughs> Try stuff. We got game eight coming up tomorrow. Try stuff. Score more Yeah, goals. no, Score my, my ultimate goals. suggestion yeah, to the that... Panthers would be do a better job at getting the little black disc uh, on the other side of, of the opposing goalie. So now that we've spent a bunch of time talking about the power play, I do kind of want to reflect just for a little bit on the national media narrative that, like, I saw so many places. I saw, um, I saw, I can't even come up with an example. So many places. <laughs> I, I, I saw an article on Daily Faceoff. I saw a uh, Bouchergras was getting involved on the narrative on Twitter. I think that it was talked about on 32 Thoughts, and that is that the defense, when Aaron Ekblad went down, was all of a sudden everybody's favorite talking point. It's like, oh, you know, now that the Panthers traded away Uyghur and they left themselves susceptible to an Ekblad injury, are they going to have the defensive depth to, you know, be successful this year? I haven't had a problem with the way the defense is played okay. at all. Quick, quick thing about that. In our season preview episode, even the three of us were like, yeah, if Ekblad gets hurt, we're a little bit screwed. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Oh, you're not trying to refute them. People. You're just trying to say that so far. I'm saying, like, how yeah. strange is it that two games after that happened or three games after that happened or whatever it is, we're not complaining about the defense at all. Yeah, the defense has actually been a pleasant surprise, especially since Ekblad has gone down. Uh, I believe it was Jay Fresh who had us at 11th, uh, or it was either 9th or 11th in the league in expected goals against, um, which is really good, especially when you're missing your number one guy. Uh, sorry, number two guy. How could I do that to my new best friend, Josh Mahora? Uh, oh, okay. If Josh Mahora ever develops as like a good fantasy hockey defenseman, I have a great team name. Um <laughs> What's the name? <laughs> I need to workshop it a little bit, but I want to make a pun based on the horror. Of course I would. You would. I literally have a shirt that says okay. Jews well, so... for Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, since we're on Josh Mahura and Bombs our guests, 
What what have you thought about the newest Panther defenseman? The eye test, he's an offensive defenseman from what I've seen, and he's fast, and he gets the pucks on net. I, I like, for a waiver pickup, I like what I've seen. They throw him into the fire. Him and that Gudis pair, I saw a stat today where they yeah. were number one expected goals I, don't I think it was. it was Money Puck. Yeah, Money Puck's yeah. expected goals percentage for defense pairings that have played at least 50 minutes. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a, I am know it's it's a debatable topic here, but I know Jacob loves Josh Mahara. I am a Josh Mahara fan. I do like what he's been doing so far. Um, <laughs> Radko Gudis and him have been oh, eating yeah. up a lot of minutes for a pair that you would not have expected mm-hmm. at all. It's yeah. yin and yang, though. Yeah. It's perfect. It, it's yeah, you, got, exactly... you got the fast skating offensive defenseman, and then you yeah, got the it's, butcher. It's the Duncan Keith, Nicholas Yarmulson formula. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Gudis is definitely that guy that like you do not want to f with under any circumstances. But if you only talk about that when you talk about him, which I'm not accusing you of doing, bomb, uh, then you kind of don't get to see just like how effective he is at defending. Like, I kn- I know that like we don't want to talk about Erica Branson on every episode <laughs> of the show, but you know it it, it is I'll it is kind of a pet episode. peeve of mine that like Gudis is not discussed with, like, the same, like, admiration from the 200 hockey men on, like, the grit and the toughness when he's everything that you think Erica Branson is. Like, he's this great defender. He's this tough-as-nails guy. He's big. He's tall. Not everything. He can do anything that Branson can do. Bingo! He is not Bingo. He is six foot out. I mean, six foot is, is very not tall. Five, not for not for like but it is not six, six five, foot two, flat three. is not like tall for an NHL defensive defenseman. Like your prototypical model for the defense for the gritty defensive defenseman. Yeah. Six foot is not tall for that. But he, he plays, plays like he's six, six five, five, which a lot of six five guys right. do not do. Bob, that is irrelevant to the <laughs> hockey man who who still worship at the shrine of Eric Goodbranson. They see six foot five, two thirty. And a whole bunch of hits and think that's that a third overall pick right there. <laughs> yeah, NHL GMs well, right. are like women on dating apps; they filter Jesus. for height. <laughs> <laughs> Need not apply if that under six feet. Your best one liner of all time. <laughs> oh, that's just a meme. I, I I bet most women don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> We're all about. I think it's about fifty-one percent. I don't consider myself. I, I, I am. I am five foot eight, so I found that five very foot funny. eight as well. Yeah, five foot. Hell yeah, king of the mountain. Five day, foot so. ten. <laughs> no, but I do Alex, agree with TJ said. Um, yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, who's really short? People do say Racco Gudis is just a hitting machine, but he's more than that. There's no reason why he would be on the penalty kill, why he'd be in game-closing situation in the last few minutes when you can't throw your top line out there. There's a reason why they trust him. Um, I forgot which media member it was, um, but they asked Paul Maurice, who's been the biggest, I think, surprise for you? And he said, Rack, he said, Radko Gudish. That's what he said. He's a big Radko Gudish guy. I feel like you were channeling the accent there a little bit, too. I was trying to like reciprocate exactly how Maurice said it because he just said it after, the way he said it. I'm like, I'm gonna say Gudis like that 
the rest of my life. By the way, I'm going to forget to ask this if I don't ask it now. Like, you know, we we loved Bruno, but like he was a little bit drab in in the media. Paul Maurice is way more fun to work with, isn't he? Um, I never actually spoke to Bruno in person. Everything would be on Zoom. With Maurice, it's only been in person, and um, he the one thing with him is he'll look everyone in the eye. And he'll look at every single person in the room when answering the question, but he always gets back to the person who asked. And I just think that's great because he's acknowledging there's more than just one person in the room, but he always comes back to the person that asked him the question, and he gives some great answers. Like he'll 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 give you what you need depending on what you ask. <laughs> so I, he he is a he's a pretty good uh, guy to uh, interview. That's what I'm. Yeah, say. not not a pucks in deep kind of guy, which is refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's what you get when you have a coach with 20-plus years of head coaching experience and a guy last year who had no anticipation of being a head coach in the NHL and was thrust into the role. True. You're going to get all of the hockey cliches. He's not going to say anything interesting. Like, you don't get that comfort level without 20 years of experience. That's fair. Uh, Paul Marie started coaching before I was born in the NHL. <laughs> I mean, he has been around for... A lifetime. He's is he the longest tenured head coach in the NHL, or is it Trotz? Well, Trotz isn't in the NHL, so fair point. Technically, wow, yeah, Paul Maurice has been a head coach. His first season as a head coach was the ninety five ninety six season. So, if you were curious about when Alex Baumgartner was born, it's got to be. It was after ninety five ninety six. Not the, it was. <laughs> and I, I would I would hazard a guess to say that more than half the people that are listening were born after nineteen. I don't know about that. I think I mean my grandpa listened. So shout shout out to grandpa. Feels older and older every guest we have on this podcast. He has a couple players on his team. That's true. Quite yeah, a few players on his team that were born after ninety five ninety six. I mean. Me, Lundell, and Spencer Knight are all 01s, and then there's at least four or five guys that were born between 96 and 01 that are playing on that team now. So Paul Maurice has seen more than a couple uh, scrums yeah, in his no, Noted his, uh, member time. of the best pairing in the NHL right now, Josh Mahura, uh, was born in 1998. <laughs> so, there you go. There you go. Paul Maurice had already been eliminated from the playoffs three times. Uh before before Josh Mahura was even born. I've never been eliminated from the playoffs. NHL GMs, I'm available. Uh, excuse me, you did not play in the NHL. Not that means one you game suck. So and you and as we've talked about, an and as we've talked about, five foot eight. So no NHL GMs are. Interested. Don't insult Luke Robitaille like that. How tall is Alex DeBrincat? Alex, I think he's shorter than us. I think he's shorter. <laughs> Alex DeBrincat. Alex DeBrincat, according to Hockeyman, was not an analytics pick. Why? Because he's actually good. Oh, Luke Robitaille was 6'1". He won the second round. I'm thinking of? Who Luke is? Luke Robitaille. 6'1"? I thought he was shorter. There's someone else I'm thinking of. Maybe maybe uh, St. Louis? Fact, Cole Caulfield's under 5'8". Oh, yeah. There's St. no St. way he's 5'8". Five, 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 that, that's... There's no, there's no chance. I, I've stood next to Caulfield, and I'm very sure I'm 5'8". I think he might be 5'8". Five, five, yeah. Uh, who's the the Panther? Uh, Rocco Grimaldi, the former Rocco Panther. Grimaldi. Rocco Grimaldi. Oh yeah, yeah. That hockey one. Jesus, that one. Or hockey Tebow, excuse me. The guy, the guy that scored two incredibly lucky goals in, in the World Junior Gold Medal game. 
and a hero forever. They still count. So suck it, Canada. <laughs> um, it's not the 5'8 that's going to prevent you from being in the NHL. It's being 29 years old and having never played ice hockey before that's going to keep you from being in the NHL. <laughs> no. Well, again, to be a leadership position in the NHL, according to Hockeyman, you had to have played in the league. Doesn't matter if you played like almost in the league. If you didn't play in the league, you're not good enough to be an NHL GM. So sorry, Bill Zito. We're gonna need. <laughs> Actually, you know what, TJ? I do take it back because once you cross over thirty, you become a wily vet, and your value actually goes up to certain NHL GMs. So you still have a chance to play for Vancouver. <laughs> there you go, man. The Canucks. Oh my God, talk about that's a, that's a situation. Talk about a team that completely overhauled their front office and then changed absolutely nothing. Yeah, because the they ice. didn't actually change who's in charge. They of the brought team. in Dale Talon. Not as GM, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's the office meme. Management needs you to find the differences in these photos. It's uh, the same. It, it's the guy that's signing the checks, though, to me. He's the one that says, you know what? You're not trading JT Miller. He scored 99 points last year. You got to give him this big contract, and now he's going to be a minus you know, 99 in the first eight games or whatever. Vancouver remains the only team in the NHL without a win this season. They do have two overtime losses, though, so good for them. They have the equivalent of one win in points. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet with the Panthers in terms of like five on five penalty kill, you know, positional stuff? Uh, I don't. I don't think we've fawned over Josh Mahora enough. We've never done that enough. That's correct. We're going to start our Josh Mahora has the best hair on the team now after Ryan Lombard. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty yeah. fair. He's, he's definitely got the yeah, line. Especially with the loss of weeks. Like, oh, yeah. that, that was well. He also cut. His well, hair. it's funny when you look at when you look at his uh, helmet from the back. He kind of yes. looks like Weger with the flow. That is correct. Weger cut the flow. <laughs> you know, he kind of plays like Weger. Hmm. At least when he got interesting. Here. I wonder. I wonder it's why I like similar. him so much. <laughs> a player that looks like Weger plays <laughs> like Weger and was also in a position to not really be a consistent NHL player who's surprising everyone by actually being really good. Hmm. Um, but I, I do want to, I mean, I know we don't usually talk about individual games, but I do want to talk about that game last night in the, in the only sense of, and I know we've already talked about the power play extensively, but, like, I really don't care about the five-on-five five dominance when you're going to be that bad oh, on the yeah. power play. Like, that was the worst performance of the season. I don't care how fluky uh, – not Colorado. Chicago's goals were, like, first goal power play goal on an obvious dive. It should have been at best four-on-four. Four, worst to Panthers power play. Like, I don't care. Yeah, you gave up a goal to start the game. Second goal. You I gave mean, up that a, was like, just – The yeah, typical that... Panthers falling asleep in the – but you fall asleep in the last minute of play, Patrick. Mark Stahl out of position. Yeah. And then the third goal like was super fluky with Forsling being hurt. So uh, who was it again? Kurashev. Was, was yeah, Kurashev was able to just walk around Forsling and you know roof it over you know, Bob. But like just on the, on the, on the Forsling being hurt goal, um, the Panthers got one just like that against the Islanders. Where Dobson was down on the ice, yep. and the Panthers took advantage yeah. of that and scored. These things happen. Yeah, yeah, yep. 
Right. But what I'm trying to say is there's just no, no excuse for that effort last night. Like, I'm visibly frustrated by it because, like, there was just no excuse. That's a bad hockey team who didn't particularly play well. No. And you just shit the bed. Yeah. You mailed it in. I think, uh... Go ahead. Sorry, Alex. I think Gustav Fors... No, I think Gustav Forsling, the amount of shots this guy blocks, he's gonna need, like, a Sensu Beaner. Oh, shot. hell yes! You know, keep him functioning as... That's what yes, I'm talking about. Yes, he is officially part of the nerd podcast that, that is Panther already. Free. We've I, I got a Dragon Ball Z reference. Based on some of my tweets that Alex liked. But... <laughs> I mean, oh, I have an did? anime tattoo oh, half, shit. halfway up my arm, so... Yeah. That's pretty sick. If I were yeah. to ever get a tattoo, get a post it would a picture be a Pokeball of that. on my shoulder. Like, I already, I already know that. If yeah, the Panthers win the cup, If the Panthers win the cup, I think you have to. No, that's he that's actually kind though. of a myth. He can't. It's not really. Yeah, it is. That's not like really a thing. Well, consider well, that also. Um, there was a certain event in the mid twentieth century, uh, where where many Jews. I would love to know where, where you're going with this. <laughs> where where I know well, exactly TJ, where he's for going context, we're talking this. about the fact that there was there's a slight misconception that. Jews with tattoos are not allowed to be buried in Jewish cemeteries. All right. So after the Chicago game, Panthers are 4-2-1 and after seven games. They're 0-1-1 against teams that made the playoffs last year. 4-1-0 and against teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. So, I mean, going into last night's game... 4-1-1, and one, you have to be pretty happy with that regardless of who the opponents are unless it was like a six-game series against the Coyotes, which, you know, that would obviously never happen. But, you know, that one loss to the Blackhawks does shift the context because we are so early and the sample size is so small that now we're talking about that 4-2-1 and one record against a not-so-tough schedule. It obviously will get tougher it's not going to get tougher right away, though, because the next two opponents are the Flyers and the Senators. So overall, like, what's your grade and mindset about how the season has gone so far, guys? I mean, they're still second in the division. For the most part, the problems that they have will be solved. Like, Barkov's not going to stay goalless. Reinhardt's not going to stay goalless. The power play's not going to stay goalless. Like the re the 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 complaints that we have and the fan base has, are complaints that over time will fix themselves. And despite having those problems, they're still second in the division. I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm going to echo that statement, especially because you've now had been without. We still haven't seen Duclair. Four games. Let's not forget. We'll get Duclair back. Yeah. Towards yeah. the closer to the new year, also, like, like if you're if you can get to when Ekblad comes back and you're still top three in the division, you're not digging yourself a hole. You got to dig out of. That's a win. It's a pretty big win. So I'm going to give the team a solid B because I'm getting grading on a curve again. Like this was a team I expected to be really good, and I'm probably overcompensating for how disappointed I am in last night's effort. Yeah. It's just not something that should have happened. But, like, without Ekblad, you just need to keep your head above water. And keeping your head above water in this context is 
staying in a top three position in the Atlantic. If you can do that without Ekblad, you're gold. Bob? I'm also going to go B. The defense, even with Ekblad, when we were looking yeah. at it coming into the season, that was a big question mark. How are they going to do? I thought Gustav Ford was going to do a pretty good job as the number two defenseman. Well, he's the number one guy right now, and yeah. I still think he's doing a pretty good job between just getting the puck to the net, controlling the other team's best players, um, eating 24 minutes a game, and probably <laughs> blocking 56 shots every single period. Um, Brandon Montard also had to jump up a little bit. He was kind of a you know, plug-in-where-you-need-him guy the first year he was there. This year, now he's playing number two minutes. Or, well, right, yeah, right uh, now. The minutes are kind of skewed, but you know what I'm trying right, to say. Right he's now, he's second playing on the top pair. Yeah, he's playing, for, yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, Josh Mahura comes out of nowhere. Him and Gudis look like one of the best pairs in the NHL, according to the stats. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, I like what the defense is doing. The offense is going to click. Let's hope the power play will figure something yeah. out. It's good to kind of get these issues right. out of the way at the beginning of the season while keeping the record up just to, uh, you know, you can fix it when the guys come back. I do want to mention that the Panthers are top five in – Five-on-five score-adjusted Corsi 4, which is, you know, shots, attempts, percentage in their favor. Top five in expected goals four per 60 on the power play. Top five in expected goals against on the penalty kill. So that's that's all promising. And I said soft schedule, but you can only play what's in front of you. 57% five-on-five Corsi. Is pretty much what they did the whole of last year, and that was one of the most dominant teams in the yeah. cap era. So, and I also don't want to undercut. Like, I, I want to make sure I, I make sure everyone remembers how good of a pairing Forsling Montour was last year. Like those two were great together last year, and now they're back together as our top pairing instead of our second pairing uh, in Ekblad's absence, and. The, it's it's interesting the way this team is shaping up. I had them uh, second in the division our season preview. That's where they're currently sitting. Um, the parts that I thought would be good are the parts that are struggling. And the parts that I thought were kind of a wild card are the parts that are actually holding the team above water. So just, just it's it's been an interesting yeah. season, but this yeah. has also been a season of weird thing. I mean... The Islanders just shut out the Rangers. Like weird shits happening. Rangers weird shits the happening yeah. this season. Rangers no, missing the shut up. Austin does Matthews he, has one. Uh, yeah. Does he even have one? He does. He, I I just checked. He has one in seven. You know who else has one yeah, goal? So it, Josh Mahura. <laughs> Heart Trophy confirmed. Ryan Lombard. Josh Mahura is as good as Austin Lombard. Matthews. Send the tweet to you. Oh, yes. Toronto's fan base all in our mentions and, and he cost, once again. he cost a lot less money than Austin Matthews. So. Let's see. Buffalo and Detroit are both um, in the playoff picture. Washington, Toronto, and the Rangers and Tampa are all out of it, although I'm not surprised that Tampa's out of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just it's been Tampa's a weird season eight, across the NHL. Like Things will even out. It, that will go the Panthers' way as well. Agreed. Josh Mahora for Norris. <clears throat> All right. So um, make sure to rate us five stars at Circuit City. 
and Don't say that name in my presence, Circuit City. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Circuit City? That's wrong with We're going to have to tease no, this for the next this podcast. This isn't something I'm going to talk about, about publicly. Um. <laughs> oh my god! You have some serious <laughs> Circuit City drama? Something happened last night. That is... Uh, in, that, oh my god. That, <sighs> All right, bomb. I Circuit know, City went uh, out of business like a decade ago. <laughs> I don't think Tom's block order was alive bomb. for Circuit City. I I swear to God, we normally do the, the rate us five stars at uh, a random place after the plugs. So my apologies. Let's get the plugs in now. Where can everybody find what you're doing with five reasons and elsewhere? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at abomgartner91, and then all my articles and stuff will be on five reasons. Make sure you rate us five stars at uh, Brands Market. Yes! The one, the, <laughs> specifically the one at Sawgrass. Yeah. Models. That one. It's in the yes. corner with nothing else good, but I mean that's where Brand Smart is, so that's good in, in its own. That's, a, that's where everyone yeah, that's that's where everyone parks before Panthers games. I don't know if they're going to the Panthers games, but there you go. So for uh, Alex and Alex and Jacob, I've been TJ. So long, and thanks for all the fish. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.